0: What's up, everyone? We did it. It's week one of the NFL season, which means sit, start podcast time. I'm joined by Ryan Heath to go through all of your important roster decisions on the QB list fantasy football podcast. We're excited to be back for another year. Ryan, we've even got some new tricks up our sleeve this year. So why don't you tell the people what you've been working on behind the scenes? This is a uh, big time nerd stuff here. So I'm really excited about this one. Uh, what, what have you been working on at QB list? Hey, yeah, it's
1: I'm so excited for the season to start. Can't believe we actually get to watch real regular season football in just a few hours from now. I'm counting it down. And yeah, I did come equipped and ready. I have this new weekly range of outcomes tool uh, that I was able to develop along with a lot of help from Dan Adams here at QB list. So basically what the tool does is It runs right in Google Sheets, so all you need is a laptop to access it, and you can basically pick any two players, and it will show you their consensus projection pulled from Fantasy Pros, and along with that, it will show you the full range of outcomes for each of those players, so you can see their floor and how likely they are to score at least six points or whatever amount of points you want. And then the same with their ceiling. You can see how likely they are to score 20 points or more. It's a really cool visualization. I think it really helps with a lot of these hit start decisions to see if there's one player that is maybe a lot safer. If you only need a handful of points and maybe a different player, it has a better shot of giving you some real upside. Uh, But it's just a really smooth visualization, in my opinion, and you should check it out. If you're listening, Um, you can find it. uh, Just go on to QB list and search for the article called the weekly range of outcomes tool. And that'll give you a little tutorial and a link right into the tool.
0: Yep. uh, We've even got it up in the uh, headers up on top of the website. We'll link to it in the sit start article. We're going to have it all over the place, but um, we put out our weekly rankings article today. Uh, Ryan's helping me with those this year so we can spend a little bit more time on each position. Uh, I screenshotted uh, Saquon Barkley versus James Conner in this new tool. And I think it's a really good depiction. It shows that James Conner is more likely at the lower point ranges to give you a nice floor. I think that's pretty understood. He's Uh, kind of got an established role in that Arizona offense, but you see um, at 16 points, that's kind of where Saquon Barkley passes him and he's got the higher upside going forward. And it's exactly how you would think it would play out, but it really helps to visualize it. So yeah, definitely check out this range of outcomes tool. It's it's, again, it's not one of those things that's just going to tell you who to play or who to sit, uh, but I think it's a tool that you can use along with a lot of other information to uh, make these decisions. So um, that's going to be something we will talk about all year. So take Take a look at that uh, range of outcomes tool on QVList.com. We will be mentioning it throughout the podcast, I'm sure. So other than that, like I said, we've got rankings on the site. Uh, We will have sit start up probably when you're listening to this. uh, Thursday morning, whole staff goes into the sit start uh, for each team, covers every fantasy relevant player. We can't do this on this podcast or else it would be a two hour long podcast. So we're going to try to cut to some of the important stuff here. Um, But if you do want to see every single player on your team talked about please go to the website, check it out. Our staff does an awesome job on that. So um, we're going to get into some news up top here. We're going to try to stick to the news that's actually actionable here. Uh, If Van Jefferson's out, you know not to play him. So we don't need to talk about that at length. So I want to talk about some news that has come up recently that uh, warrants a discussion here. Uh, We're going to start with the Packers wide receivers. A few different pieces here Uh, they actually it sounds like christian watson the rookie receiver is going to play or at least he's going to be healthy we'll see how much he plays and alan lazard who's presumably the number one receiver here in green bay uh his status seems to be up the up in the air and he's not practicing he got stepped on last week was the quote from uh, the packers head coach so uh ryan um any experience getting stepped on and uh, do you think we can trust any of these packers receivers in week one I I don't think I've been stepped
1: on Uh, Najee Harris has been stepped on and apparently that is code for your Liz Frank got sprained or something, but then you come back from it way earlier than you should that that's what these just weird, like completely informationless uh, little tidbits we get are pretty much going to boil down to. So as far as the Packers receivers go, if Lazard plays, I think he's like a low-end flex. Um, I've got him ranked uh, right around the wide receiver 40 range. Um, it Aside from him, though, it, it's hard to know who to trust. Like We don't really know how <laughs> these targets are going to shake out whatsoever. Uh, I would not play Christian Watson, who has barely seen any action in the preseason. He's been injured for most of the summer. Uh, we've got Sammy Watkins. I, I mean, he's been a week one hero pretty pretty much the last three years. So if you're getting really desperate, I think Watkins is honestly who I would look to first after Lazard.
0: Yeah, I kind of have my eye on Randall Cobb. I, not from a, a ceiling perspective, but I do think he could maybe establish at some point a bit of a touchdown role in this offense, which is weird from someone like Randall Cobb. But yeah, I mean, the upside plays are eventually going to be Watson, Lazard, uh Romeo Dobbs. But yeah, I, I think Lazard's the only one I would trust week one. So I agree. Um Robert Tunyon, the tight end, got in a limited practice, but they're not ready quite yet to say he's ready for week one. So I I, I think that really the takeaway for the Packers receivers is is if you can, let's wait a week and see what happens here. Um I think we'll have a lot more information after week one. So um another quick hitter on the Jets. Uh, Zach Wilson is going to be out until week four at the earliest. So I think this probably derails some of the big time upside on the jets. Like maybe Wilson figures this out and the offense takes off, but you know, I'm kind of wondering like, is this better for the jets running backs? You remember all these, these jets quarterbacks checking it down last year to the running backs, like in a PPR league, do we kind of like not having Zach Wilson out there for a couple weeks? It's really hard to say. So I, I mean, generally when
1: we're just talking about, what is good for running backs. You you just want the offense to be efficient. That is what is going to help them the most in the long run. Uh, but yeah, I mean, last year it was Mike White checking down like 10 times a game to Michael Carter. It's totally possible that we see something like that from Joe Flacco. But overall, I just don't think this affects my opinion of any of the Jets' skill position players that much. I think Flacco is at least as competent as Zach Wilson is. Yeah, as you said, the ceiling of Zach Wilson figuring it out and just turning this into a prolific offense is probably not there for most of this season, but I don't think you should be panicking or going way too far in the other direction and thinking that it's just going to be like the small sample we had last year.
0: All right. Let's go to New Orleans and their wide receiver group. Uh, Mike Thomas, his status for week one is we'll see, but he's progressing. That's quote unquote. So uh, we've kind of, uh, we've had this for Mike Thomas for what feels like four years now. So um, Ryan, do you trust Thomas with a start if he does play? Uh, if he is out, are you looking at a or Jarvis Landry? Like, what do you think about this Saints group here? so
1: if thomas plays you have to assume that he'll lead the team in targets that i mean that's just what michael thomas does when he's on the field as he dominates target shares so i've got him ranked at wide receiver 30. if it sounds like he's going to be limited then i might start pushing him down kind of under all those back end wide receiver threes that we're going to talk about but as of now i think i'd be okay with playing him if thomas does not play i think it does bump chris olave up slightly Uh, This is a matchup against the Falcons should be a pretty beatable secondary. My main concern, though, is that the Saints just go extremely run heavy. We saw that most of last year. I don't think that there's any guarantee that Jameis Winston is going to come out and air the ball out, even though we've played around with the idea a little bit this offseason.
0: Yep. And I'm, I'm not ready to get there on Jarvis Landry. So I will be sitting him. Uh, I agree. This is, this is going to be a a defensive slug fest, I think, where they shut down the Falcons and run the ball a ton. So uh, Michael Thomas or bust for me this week, I I am interested in a lobby, but just not week one. Okay. Let's get to uh, Pittsburgh wide receivers here. So Deontay Johnson was limited in practice with a shoulder injury on Wednesday. And it seems to be putting week one in doubt. Uh, He left a preseason game with the injury and kind of made it sound like this is a big deal when they quoted him in practice just this week. So I don't know. Deontay Johnson seems to be at risk here. And I think in this situation, like Chase Claypool and George Pickens have such talent and such upside. Do we think about playing these two guys, which are probably a little bit off our radar when Deontay Johnson's in there?
1: I don't think... That Deontay Johnson being out is going to get either of the other Steelers receivers up into the startable range for me. The problem is that there is just such a high chance at that point that the offense just kind of ceases to function. We, I mean, yes, this isn't Big Ben. Trubisky could maybe throw down the field and hit the Pickens and the Claypools a little bit more, but I would just be worried that cincinnati gets out to an early lead and manages to sack trubisky like six or seven times and that and that that is how the steelers game ends up going if there's no deontay johnson so i yeah i am not for the faint of heart for sure and i i think i'm faint of heart on the steelers this year
0: (laughs) yeah i think my take on this one is i might actually be more bullish on pickens if johnson were to miss um We'll kind of get to another player like this later, but I still am not sure how much the Steelers really even like Chase Claypool at this point. And just because somebody goes out ahead of a player doesn't mean they're just going to feed that player opportunities. So I actually kind of wonder if Pickens would be the big beneficiary here, but yeah, week one, it's, it's tough to pull the trigger on that. We've got to see if Trubisky is even confident first and, um, we will also get to the Bengals' defense later, but I, I think they are one of the more underrated units this year, honestly. So, yeah, it's not a great matchup for Pittsburgh going to Cincinnati. Deontay Johnson, though, he's a start. He's just drawn too many too many targets over the years. So if he's out there, I'm definitely putting him in my lineup. All right, next up, we've got the Buccaneers wide receivers. This is a really fascinating group. Um, it's kind of going in all different directions here. We, of course, have Mike Evans, who's always there. Uh, Chris Godwin, though, practiced in full on Wednesday. He really looks like he's going to play this week. I mean, he's practicing without the knee brace, uh, practiced in full. So really great signs for Godwin. Let's just start with him. Uh, Are you firing up Godwin if he's on the field this week?
1: I am. And yeah, the full practice here really surprised me. But I have him ranked as the wide receiver twenty eight. Uh, I think that if you have him, you're almost definitely starting him. I'm not sure how you're going to get anybody into your flex over Chris Godwin in a game against the Cowboys. It's probably going to be really high scoring 50 point over under then. Yeah. I'm happy to throw Godwin out there, even if he's limited. I mean, he's an extremely talented player. He can get it done on limited volume as well, even if he's not running all of the routes. Um, Mm -hmm. If he doesn't play, then I think Julio Jones becomes interesting. And I say Julio because Gage himself was limited, as you said, with a hamstring injury. We don't know if he would even play a full volume of snaps. Hamstring injuries tend to linger, especially during a week that will always set off alarm bells, Uh especially if you've had Julio Jones the last few years, you know, that sets off alarm bells. So yeah, I think that Jones would be the higher upside option, more of a desperation play. Um, I, I've got him ranked well into the 40s at wide receiver. Um, and the other concern is the Bucks have had multiple injuries in their offensive line, both their center and their guard are not going to play most of the year. So I, I'm a little, I don't know, I'm a little scared that the Cowboys manage to get to Brady and that the game hits the under. So I, would not be rushing out to play Julio, but I think you could do worse if Godwin's not playing.
0: Yeah. This isn't a meaning, meaningless week one game here. I mean, these are a couple, you know, playoff contenders in the NFC, a pretty weak NFC. So I, I do think they're going to be uh, airing the ball out here. I, I would expect a lot of points. Even the Cowboys defense that was awesome last year, they did still give up points to wide receivers. It was kind of that boom bust play that we saw out of Diggs. Um, lots of sacks, but they did give up some plays. So I don't know. I'd be I'd be looking to start as many of these Bucks receivers as I could. Um, Julio is obviously risky. Russell Gage, you got to see what the injury looks like. But um, yeah, if Godwin's out there, I'm playing him. This would be the track that would get him in the lineup practicing in full on Wednesday. We'll see. They could still hold him back. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game personally. So two good quarterbacks. That's that's mainly what I'm looking for in my fantasy matchup. So like I said, uh, that's about all the news we're going to get to up top on this one. Most of the other stuff you can just see when you look at your lineup in your fantasy app. So we're not going to waste your time with that. We're trying to be quick this year. So, uh, so far so good. So let's get to the running back position first. Um, again, if you want all of our rankings, go to this website. If you want uh, debates over all the players, go to our fantasy football. We'll be in Reddit all day on Thursday answering questions. So join us there, but we're going to go through some of the notable players here um, Kind of just the ones that we think we're going to get questions on on Thursday on Reddit, basically. Um, So we've got a couple players here with, uh, I don't know, interesting decisions. Ryan, you kind of called these out on the sheet here. So why don't you lead us into some of these players and I'll give you my thoughts as I handled the running back rankings here.
1: Yeah. So starting off, I mean, I, I think probably the number one player that people will have drafted highly, but might be a little hesitant to play this week is Brees Hall. I, he's running into a difficult matchup against the Ravens. So why don't you give us some of your analysis and maybe uh, tell us who you might or might not play over him?
0: Yeah. So I'll start by saying that I am totally fine with benching Brees Hall if you have better options. I think a lot of people who have Brees Hall probably don't. He was kind of like one of the um, one of the textbook zero RB guys that you could get in drafts. So uh, I think a lot of you probably need to put him out there. I, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. But the Ravens did give up the third fewest rushing yards last year. Part of that was because they were such a pass funnel defense. I mean, people were just throwing all over them. But the Ravens have been traditionally good stopping the run. So I think we're primarily look, looking for Hall as a passing game back here. And I am a little worried that Michael Carter just week one is going to have a little bit of that role. This could be Brees Hall's lowest snap share of the season, and then it goes up. So there are some players that I would play ahead of Brees Hall, uh, like Miles Sanders against Detroit or Devin Singletary against the Rams. I I think this week one here, we want to take those roles that we know and that we can count on. And if we can, kind of sit those guys with the unknown uh, potential on our bench and just let it play out. So that's where I'm at on Hall. Sit him if you can. I, I He's definitely got upside this week if the Jets just decide he's their RB1 and maybe they've been slow playing us a little bit this preseason. But um, like I said, I, I love Miles Sanders this week against Detroit. I would get him in my lineup easily over Hall.
1: Yeah, I think that process is totally sound. I mean, when you look at all three of those players, Hall, Sanders, and Singletary, they are – probably going to get most of their work in on early downs Uh, we definitely question their pass catching roles at least early on for hall Um, and sanders and singletary are on teams that are favorites and are in much higher over under games so i think it makes all the sense in the world to go with a Sanders or a Singletary overhaul this week. If you were going to bench him, it would probably have to be because he's like your third running back and you have a wide receiver. You want to play over him in the flex. Um, so I think that's probably enough about hall. Why don't we move on to another player that I would, I don't have any of this player, but I would be very, very scared right now. If I did to plug him into a lineup, tell us about cam Akers, Eric.
0: Yeah, kind of the same for me. It's easy for me to say sit Cam Akers when he's not on any of my rosters, but I've got him as RB 24 against this really tough Bills defense. They allowed the sixth fewest fancy points to the running back position last year. Uh, We all know that Cam Akers missed time in camp. We're looking at a potential split here with Daryl Henderson. So what I see here is a running back with a potential split backfield coming off of an injury against a tough defense and so it it feels crazy to have this player ranked ahead of him and you can tell me if I am but I ranked AJ Dillon one spot ahead of Cam Akers this week uh the way I see it they're both in the committee Dillon we think is healthier he's facing a Vikings defense that allowed the eighth most rushing yards last year and now they don't have Mike Zimmer running that defense like I don't know. I, I don't think just week one, I don't think these two players are in that much of a, a, a differing situation here. I kind of like the upside that these Packers running backs, but even if you don't go with that Dylan ranking, like I just, this is another one of those. If you can sit cam Akers this week, go for it. He's got upside. He could score some touchdowns here. This could be a shootout. I'm just skeptical. He's going to see the snap share we need. I've always been skeptical of his pass catching uh, volume this year. So like I said, if I can, I'm sitting cam makers.
1: Yeah, I agree once again. It it's funny that we're in this spot. I didn't if you asked me 2 years ago, I don't think I would have ever uttered the sentence, but AJ Dillon has more pass catching upside <laughs> than Cam Akers does and it's I can't believe we're here, but we are. And yeah, I I mean, as you said, I think that Dillon is walking into a better situation this week. The Packers are favored, the Rams are underdogs against a really tough Bills defense. So, I yeah. think it makes all the sense in the world to take dylan over acres um all right and maybe one more guy that people may or may not feel comfortable plugging in right away in week one um and especially because you may have drafted this guy extremely late like towards the very end of your draft or you might have taken him right around where cam acres and reese hall were going depending on when you drafted so give us your thoughts on damian pierce this week eric
0: Yeah. So again, with him and Akers and Hall, like I'm not down on these guys long-term necessarily, but we just don't know going into week one. It's a big question mark with Damian Pierce. Like, I think it's funny that he's been named the starter for the Texans and everyone's going wild over this because starter is just a very, I mean, that's just a A designation like it that doesn't mean he's the third down back that doesn't mean he's not in a rotation like that's just a depth chart designation here and so I'm just worried I mean if he's not seeing passing game work the Texans are facing the Colts here who were one of the five toughest defenses to score fantasy points against last year as a running back so they're facing a a tough defense Uh, they're going to be big underdogs if they fall behind early Like, how do we know how much Damian Pierce is going to be on the field? Yeah, he's the starter, but is he the third down back? So that's where I get into an issue with Damian Pierce. I'm probably lower than most on him anyway throughout the season, but uh, for this week, he's my RB 33. Uh, I would rather play L Patterson, who I feel like we have not even mentioned this year. Uh, Damian Harris, I would play over him. CEH, I would even play Brees Hall over Damian Pierce, and I would play Rashad Penny over him. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm not running wild with the starter designation in Houston.
1: Yeah. You definitely want to keep in mind that we, as you said, have no idea if he's going to be catching passes. It's totally possible that he does. um, But I would say it's probably unlikely. It seems like they really like Rex Burkhead there. These NFL coaches and their obsessions with Rex Burkhead, i will never understand um yeah but yeah i'll largely agree with your thesis there uh the cults are favored by eight points so t- tough to project a favorable game script the only guy i would probably push back on is damian harris i am not feeling very good about damian harris as likely also an old an exclusively early down back going into miami uh they're Not underdogs by a touchdown, but they're underdogs by three and a half, I believe. And I, with how the Patriots offense has been looking in the preseason and sort of all the narrative around this zone running scheme that is that Bill Belichick apparently thinks is like the newest, weirdest thing, uh, it, I just don't feel great about Harris. So I, I think Pierce gives you more upside, and the floors are probably similar.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's go ahead and real quick talk about this Patriots. Backfield. I mean, I did rank Ramondre Stevenson ahead of Damian Harris at RB twenty-five. I have um, Harris down at RB thirty-one. I just think that Stevenson has the bigger upside if he does somehow get close to a three-down roll with that pass-catching work. Uh, but it's hard to completely dismiss Harris just because of that touchdown volume. If they stick with that, I know touchdowns can be fluky, but if he is the goal line back, he's he's likely going to score them. And I, as bad as the Pats have looked in the preseason, I. Don't know if I'm ready to just write them off completely with Mac Jones, who I think is promising. So like, I mean, are you just kind of staying away from this backfield until it short sorts itself out? Or what are your thoughts on the Patriots running backs? So I agree with you that I'm
1: more into Ramondre Stevenson. And the entire reason for that is he just has a better chance of being in on passing downs. Uh, So Ty Montgomery did return to practice today. Which possibly complicates that and yeah. could turn it into more of a three man backfield with Montgomery uh, mostly taking on the pass hitching role. But it, Bill Belichick has been very impressed with Ramondre Stevenson this offseason. Like he, Bill never praises players right. that are on the Patriots. It, it was genuinely strange to hear the wonderful things about Ramondre Stevenson that were coming out of his mouth all offseason. Right. So I, Stevenson's who, I would go with, I'm with you on that. Um, And that is against the expert consensus right now. Um, But yeah. So if I'm ranking those three players, it would go Stevenson, Pierce, Harris.
0: Okay. And that's not far off from what I have. And, I do have all of these guys in the acceptable starting range. So it's not to say that I don't think you can play them. It's just, it's starting to get a little sketchy. They're kind of at the bottom of that range for me. So, but you're right about Belichick. The only players he praises are special teams players or like the random 30 year old linebacker, maybe safety. So, so it's pretty impressive to hear a running back get praised like that. So, okay. Um, so yeah, there are a couple kind of trendy week one guys I wanted to hit on here too. Uh they're kind of drafted later, and people probably think they've they've got a bit of a gem here. Uh, Mike Davis for the Ravens. I I just can't do it, Ryan. Um, I I just can't play Mike Davis. According to Harbaugh, J.K. Dobbins is ascending quickly with a limited session on Wednesday. Those were his words, ascending quickly, whatever that means. But they're still noncommittal on a status for week one. But even without Dobbins, like Mike Davis is. Probably competing with Kenyon Drake. I don't know that Mike Davis is better than Kenyon Drake. Uh, Davis is 29 years old. He ranked 30th in yards created per attempt last year. He had only three 15 plus yard rushes last year on 138 attempts. He was 44th among qualified running backs with 0.71 fantasy points per opportunity. Like I know the Falcons were horrible, but he looked totally like dust last year. So it's tough because they're playing the Jets. We want to play one of these guys, but. I just can't do it. Um, Can you talk me into playing Mike Davis if you're desperate?
1: Absolutely not. Uh, (laughs) I only put his name on the show sheet to see if I could bait you into touting Mike Davis, but I should know that you're smarter than that at this point. Uh, Yeah, as as you said, Mike Davis was very, very bad last year. Uh, it, It was if you did watch the Falcons, which I'm sorry if you did last year, but it was pretty comical even in the first couple of weeks, just watching him get outplayed by Cordero Patterson. It was very obvious from the jump that Davis just doesn't have any juice whatsoever. Uh, yeah. So if, if I, honestly, if I am picking between guys in this backfield, if Dobbins is out, I think I, I certainly would rather hold Kenyon Drake on my bench. Um, and if it's, if I'm on some sick and twisted zero RB team where I'm debating which Raven to play this week, then I, I actually think it's Kenyon Drake for me. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I mean, we saw them bounce between Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray and Tyson Williams last year. And if one of them sticks, there is, I mean, we saw, we were playing uh, Freeman at times last year, but we do think Dobbins is coming back. So I just have no interest in this backfield. They're not going to catch many passes either. I don't think so. Not much upside there. Um, the next one is Antonio Gibson. So I reluctantly have him as RB19, but um, Basically, just because of the Jaguars matchup, uh, this is kind of who I alluded to earlier when we were talking about Chase Claypool. Is like, I don't think just because uh, Brian Robinson is out for this game that the commander's coaches are just going to be like, well, okay, we're going to give Gibson the ball 35 times. Like they, they seem to actively dislike Antonio Gibson. So there are other players on the roster. Uh, They aren't exciting, um, but they do have JD McKissick who will play passing downs and they have Jonathan Williams. And I don't know. I just don't think Gibson is going to get fed the ball like crazy, but I do think they can have the lead against the Jaguars potentially. um, So it's hard to rank him too low. I, I will say the Jaguars were, middle of the pack, giving up points to opposing running backs last year. And they actually have some talent up front on the defensive line after their draft this year. They've, they've got some guys on that line. So it's probably not going to come together for the Jaguars in week one, but I don't know. I I think you have to play Gibson unless you're loaded at running back, but I'm not expecting just some dream scenario that I think a lot of people probably think with Gibson.
1: Yeah, and the reason you can't expect the dream scenario is because the name Jonathan Williams was in Ron Rivera's mouth earlier this week, and anytime that you that, that Jonathan Williams is being compared favorably to you, you, that's probably not a good thing for your fantasy prospects. Uh, yeah, I mean if Gibson's on your team, uh, I mean congratulations, he is probably a decent play this week, as Eric said, but. If he does rush for 80 yards and a touchdown, I would be putting him on the trade block so fast you would not believe it because it sounds like Brian Robinson is off crutches now. So who knows if he is going to be able to come back early in the season. He's missing at least four games, but I don't want to be holding on to this Antonio Gibson roller coaster this year as talented and as athletic of a player as I think he is.
0: Yeah, I mean, would you move him down? These are the players below him in my rankings. Um, I've got Josh Jacobs. I probably should have above Gibson uh, against the Chargers. I just worry if they're trailing to the Chargers, and I just don't know how this committee is going to work. Like, would you have Jacobs ahead of Gibson?
1: No, I don't think I can play <laughs> okay. Jacobs ahead of Gibson. Sorry.
0: <laughs> well, okay. All right, maybe I'm in the right spot. What do you think about Chase Edmonds against New England? Maybe? Um. Yeah, you know, I think I
1: would go Chase Edmonds over Gibson. I I think that's a good friction point.
0: Okay. And then David Montgomery after that, I think if it's against anyone other than San Francisco, I could probably get him above Gibson, but I just hate that matchup for him.
1: Yeah. It's implied only 17 points, at least on the slate. Yeah. Can't, probably not a big David Montgomery game.
0: Okay. So yeah, that puts Gibson right around the RB 20 range. So all right. Well, part of the reason I'm down on him a little bit is because of my desperation options at running back. So hopefully you don't need desperation options in week one, but there are some weird league types out there, some guillotine leagues, some uh, teams where maybe you get some late scratches and you're just really struggling at running back. So I think if you really need a couple of plays this week, JD McKissick is a pretty good one. Um, with Brian Robinson out, it's like I said, it's just Gibson and Jonathan Williams. We know they love McKissick. Uh, They brought him back. They went out of their way to bring him back. They're playing the Jaguars. I could see McKissick playing all the third downs and maybe even sprinkling in on the early downs. I mean, it's just I just think that's how much they dislike Gibson. So, uh, I mean, I've got McKissick. He's he's outside of my starting range, but I do have him as RB37. I think you could do a lot worse in PPR leagues. Uh, What do you think about McKissick?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you can probably lock in five targets for McKissick at the very least. If they end up in a hurry-up situation, he'll probably be playing in that and could get you even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess similar thesis with Carter. Um, they're probably more likely to be trailing as well. So that I think both are totally fine PPR-only desperation plays.
0: Yeah, so that's that's my other one. Michael Carter for the Jets. I think this could be... Brees Hall's lowest snap share of the season. Uh, They may give the veteran a little bit of a nod here. So I think Carter could play a little bit, get some check downs from Flacco playing behind against the Ravens. So that makes him RB 38. So if you're desperate out there, I think those are a couple of guys. They may not be available on waiver wires necessarily, but you might've drafted them really late. And I think you could start them in a flex or RB two if you needed to, hopefully flex, you've got a receiver. But speaking of receivers, um, Ryan did our receiver rankings. So uh, he's going to handle the bulk of this analysis. Um, I don't know. I was was kind of interested to see how you ranked some of these sophomore wide receivers after we talked about them all year. It's always interesting to put them to the fire in the week one rankings. So um, let's start out with one. Uh, You've got Elijah Moore, wide receiver 31 against Baltimore. What are your thoughts on Elijah?
1: Yeah, it's it's a tough balance to strike with these sophomore receivers because so much of why we like them is that we expect their role to grow from what we've seen before. And then when it's week one and you have to rank them above more established players, it's like, how much do I really believe in this? Yeah. But when it comes to Elijah Moore, I absolutely do really believe in this. I think that it is very likely that he just goes out and dominates the Jets targets. I don't think that Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis are going to run out there and completely just take away any of his looks. Um, and I mean, you've got to remember with Moore, he had some of his best games in <laughs> in games that Zach Wilson was not playing last year. I want to say he was in like a four game sample. He was like the wide receiver nine per game at one point with the combination of Flacco and Mike White. So there, there's... Definitely weekly upside here. As you said, Baltimore was very much a pass funnel uh, last year. Yes, it's a very tough secondary, but yeah, the Jets are going to throw. They are seven point underdogs, which makes it scary, obviously. But as like a wide receiver three flex play, I'm happy to plug more in.
0: Yeah. And I I hate to sound so down on Zach Wilson. It's just that he doesn't operate the offense very well. Most of his plays are going to be more out of structure. So it makes you feel a little safer about some of these options. You at least kind of feel like you know where the ball's going to go. So I do like more. You've got him ahead of some names like Metcalf and Christian Kirk, Kadarius Tony, Devontae Smith. I, I think I agree with that for the most part. I uh, We'll get to a couple of them later. Here's one right here. So Kadarius Toney, he's wide receiver 34 playing against Tennessee. What are your thoughts on Kadarius Toney?
1: Yeah, I mean, sort of similar thesis. It's just the other New York team. Uh, yeah. Tony was extremely good and very efficient last year whenever he was on the field. Uh, he had 2.14 yards per out run. That was second among all rookies. Only Jamar Chase was better than that. And Tony is healthy. He was practicing. Sounds like he's just going to be the Giants number one receiver in week one. I don't think we can assume that Kenny Galladay has, he's, Looks like he's quit on his team like six times preseason. Uh, Wondell Robinson is exciting, but a rookie. We don't really know his role. Sterling Shepard uh, did get in a limited practice today, but he's 29 and coming off a late season Achilles tear. Like I, I can't take Sterling Shepard seriously this year. I think it's just all Kadarius Tony. Um, I, we've talked about the Giants offense a lot this off season and about how they've just been historically bad the last two years, so it doesn't take much of an improvement for there to be one like low end wide receiver three or flex play in Kadarius Tony. That's like all we're asking for from the Giants this year. So yeah. hope hopefully we get it.
0: Yeah, and Tennessee is another one of those pass funnel defenses from last year. They're really good against the run. Gave up a bunch of points to fantasy receivers. And you could totally see Tennessee taking care of the Giants, getting the lead, and the Giants are playing from behind and throwing it a lot. So, yeah, I like Tony. And kind of like you mentioned with um, Wandale, I, I, we like Wandale, but it's just we, we've we seen it from Tony. So I would give him a nod week one. He, he looked really good when he did play last year. So, all right, next up, another sophomore receiver, Devontae Smith. What are your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I actually want to talk about Devontae Smith and the next guy together. So I have Devontae Smith, wide receiver 35. He's playing the Lions. And then right behind him, I have Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver 36 against the Bears. I think these guys are set up extremely similarly this year in that we know they're very talented players, both had incredibly efficient rookie seasons. You got off to a slow start in the doghouse last year, but towards the end was coming on. Uh, And really the question for both of these guys is twofold. Number one, are their offenses going to be as run heavy as they've been in the past? And number two, where will they end up in the target pecking order? I mean, I think it's safe ish to assume that both Debo Samuel and AJ Brown are ahead of these two guys but they also both have talented tight ends on their team that they are competing with for targets. Um, so they, there is a very wide range of outcomes for Bolt Smith and IUK. either could get kind of buried as the third option on a low volume passing offense, or either of these teams could throw more than we expect. And these guys could be really good players as the second option on normally passing nfl offenses wouldn't that be something so i slightly prefer smith uh just because i think it's more likely to be a shootout higher scoring game eagles versus detroit it's a 49 point over under uh detroit has pff's 25th ranked secondary heading into the year so i'll give the slight nod to smith over iuk but either way if if you are able to get these guys out of your lineup because you're scared, then I, I think that that's fine, but it's, I think it's tough. Like we're going to talk about some desperation receiver options later on. Um, but I much prefer Smith and Ayuk to anybody that you're going to find laying around from later in drafts or on your waiver wire.
0: Yeah. I, I think Smith's a really nice boom bust option this week against Detroit. It, it may not be, great, but I do think there's going to be some big play opportunities for him. Uh, I kind of did your sit-start range of outcomes tool here. I compared him with Hunter Renfro. I don't know. It seemed like a a safer option to compare. And they they break even at 16.4 points. So uh, this is saying if you want 16 or more points out of your receiver, Devontae Smith is the better option than Renfro. Renfro is the better option if you you kind of want that safe floor. And I think that sounds about right. I, I could see some huge plays against this Lions defense, but there are a lot of names in front of Devonte Smith. So we'll have to see. I just, I'm holding out hope that this Eagles offense with that offensive line can kind of take people by storm here. And, and kind of the same uh, with Ayuk. I mean, not, they don't have the offensive line, but other than that, I'm, I'm hoping that both of these offenses can kind of jump on teams this year and really have a hot streak. So, um, okay, let's get to next on your list. You've got Adam Thielen at wide receiver 37. What are your thoughts on him this week?
1: Yeah, so he's a guy that you might have drafted a bit higher than some of the other players we've talked about, but I've been lower on him all offseason, so this ranking is kind of a function of that. Um, but also, I'm not sure that this is a great game environment for the Vikings. It You would think it could be like a higher scoring, pass-heavier game. It's a 48-point over-under. The Vikings are underdogs, but they're still implied 23 points. That's not horrible compared to some other teams this week. Uh, but the Packers have a top five secondary, according to PFF. I think Green Bay will want to slow the game down. They were near the bottom of the league in pace last year. So if if Green Bay is playing this very run heavy, kind of ball control offense, then I don't know how many opportunities there are going to be for Thielen to score. And that, I mean, that with Adam Thielen, he is a touchdown dependent option. We don't know how locked in his target share is. I, KJ Osborne has been getting steamed a lot at towards the end of this preseason. I'm not saying that Osborne is going to come out and out target Thielen, but it, it is possible that there aren't really any options in this Vikings passing game, aside from Justin Jefferson, obviously that are going to be all that productive. I, I'm just a little concerned. I don't know. It might be more of like a feel thing on the Vikings this week.
0: Yeah, a couple things on that. So, I have felt the same way about the Vikings as we get up to the season start. It seems like people are just full bore on this Vikings offense that it's going to be better. And while I think moving on from the Zimmer era is certainly going to help uh maybe some of the the progressive thoughts on the offense there, like there's no telling that week 1 they are going to be a better offense than they were last year in a new scheme. There's a chance this goes at least a little sideways for a while. So I'm there with you. Um, actually, when I was looking for a comparison for Devontae Smith before, I, maybe a higher floor option, I guess that's not really accurate with the one, but I had plugged him in and his curve and Devontae Smith's curve looked almost exactly the same. Uh, their projections are almost exactly the same. So yeah, I think they're right in that same ballpark. It's kind of which one would you rather prefer? And uh, yeah, I, I don't blame you for betting on the young um, kind of player on the upswing so we'll see how that works out but um I don't think we should overrate Adam Thielen just yet unless this offense looks like the Rams offense from week one and then I'll be right on board so I'm I'm more than willing to change my opinion very quickly after one week if needed so all right next up on your receiver list Amari Cooper what are your thoughts on Cooper this week
1: yeah. So Cooper is the first player that falls out of my starter tier. I have him at wide receiver 39 uh, playing at the Panthers. I I want to stay away from this game if I possibly can. Uh, the Browns are underdogs against the Panthers, but that's probably not something we would have expected. Uh, that implied only 19 and a half points. I, I think that's better than only the bears maybe one other team maybe better than the seahawks this week and it despite them likely not being in control of the game or getting out to a lead the browns are probably going to want to run with jacoby Verset under center i would not be surprised if cleveland has like 35 rushing attempts and they lose it's kind of how i'm expecting this game to go um so yeah i would prefer pretty much any other receiver that we've already talked about to amari cooper i and i mean maybe i'm just an amari cooper hater i've been very low on him all off season week one rankings are obviously going to reflect some of those biases and the roles that we've been projecting these players for Um, but i I i definitely don't see the floor and i don't really see the ceiling in this type of game script.
0: Yep, I agree. All I need to say is I have uh, the Panthers defense uh, ninth overall for fantasy purposes and the Browns 11th overall. So uh, I think we see eye to eye on what type of game this could be. It could be an ugly one. So unless Baker uh, really gets that revenge game out in him. But um, yeah, it's hard to see Bursette just leading a a dynamic passing game week one. So all right. Who are a couple of your desperation options if somebody went to running back heavy and all of a sudden they're looking at their wide receiver three and just thinking, oh, no.
1: Yeah. So hopefully you don't have to play either of these guys, but I don't hate Rondale Moore this week. I've got him ranked at wide receiver 45 against the chiefs. I expect Cardinals chiefs to be the highest scoring game of the week. Uh, probably the best game as far as fantasy points go as well. They do have the highest over under 52.5. The Cardinals are underdogs, um, but in a game script like this, I'm not sure it matters all that much. Um, and with Rondale, we're just really interested to see what role he takes on. I mean, last year his uh average depth of target was like under one yard or something like that. Like it it was just disgustingly horizontal if he gets down the field at all if he steps into the slot and takes on some of the christian kirk workload i even if he is the one in the chase Edmonds role that we saw last year I, i think any of these are upgrades um and i in a probably high scoring affair against the chiefs i could see him paying off for fantasy owners if you start him um like i i can see Rondale Moore right now taking a gadget play 50 yards to the house and that that being the week 1 highlight that is playing over and over again for the next week like that so i you could definitely do worse
0: yep i agree you've got uh Hollywood Brown as a deep threat no DeAndre Hopkins um AJ Green is going <laughs> to fall apart one of these years so yeah I think there's a lot of opportunity even uh Zach Ertz is is dinged up we'll see if he plays so lots of opportunity I I agree with you um and who's your next option there's a desperation wide receiver start
1: yeah so kind of similarly um and I do have this next guy ranked one spot higher than Rondell Moore is Isaiah McKenzie playing Thursday night against the Rams uh pretty similar situation like i'm hoping not to start him um i'm really curious what his role will be but it sounds like he has the starting slot role locked down he's been playing ahead of crowder pretty much all summer uh he had a 19% targets per route run last year in fairly limited action, fairly small sample size there. So I, I don't know that he's as prolific as somebody like Cole Beasley at just earning targets and just vacuuming up all of these PPR points like near the line of scrimmage. Uh, but I think McKenzie is explosive. He's very fast. He could also be somebody that gets loose and makes a big play happen. Um, I yeah I as I said don't want to play him but at wide receiver 44 that could be somebody that you have to plug into your flex if you were drafting very robust RB or is your wide receiver three so I yeah he he's somebody that I would be okay with playing
0: yeah and I mean at this point of the rankings you're going with him or you're kind of throwing a dart at one of these rookie receivers. So uh, that's that's who we're going to talk about next. Like, I think there's a lot of hope for this rookie class, but I don't know how much hope there is week one. So what are your thoughts on the rookie receivers right out of the gate here?
1: Yeah, so the only rookie that I am definitely playing over those options of Ron Moore and Isaiah McKenzie is going to be Drake London. Uh, so th- this was a really interesting uh, result when I plugged Drake London into the range of outcomes tool, he has basically the exact same curve as Marquez Valdez Scaling does. And hmm. I, so I think they are very similarly kind of low floor, high ceiling options. It's totally possible that Drake London steps on the field and dominates the Falcons' targets from day one. Uh, probably going to be a pass heavy game script for the Falcons if they're going to stay in this game at all. Uh, so, yeah, I, and he's London is probably somebody that you drafted like in the 6th is round 6th 7th round so i if he's like just kind of lines up as your wide receiver 3 then put him in for sure like i i think the upsides there um there there are better options but probably not many that you would have
0: yeah i agree i wouldn't burn a roster spot just to try to get someone off waivers to play now uh, he was limited in practice on Wednesday. He's been coming back from a knee injury. Um, they never thought it was serious. We'll see. They do say they're going to make a decision on Saturday for him. So keep an eye on his injury status. But um, yeah, if they're putting out their first round rookie week one, when it's the Falcons, I, I think he's probably fine. So we'll see if he plays. But um, yeah, he's got a ton of upside. It's a tough matchup. But again, if, if you're forced to start him, I'm fine with that. So um, anything else on the rookie receivers? or are you just pretty much just stashing the rest of them on your bench?
1: Yeah, I think the rest of them you don't need to play. I would play Ron Moore, Isaiah McKenzie over all of the other ones. Like, I'm excited to be wrong and to hopefully have to adjust very quickly on some of these guys like Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, Sky Moore, I would hope would be exciting this week. If he has a role right away, then you better believe that he's shooting up the rankings. Uh, but yeah, I, we just don't know the roles for any of the other players. And there are plenty of kind of marginal options that we know do have roles.
0: All right. Sounds great. Um, like I said, still a lot of hope for those rookie receivers. So don't bail on them. Just don't start in week one, if you can help it. All right. Let's get on to quarterback. We're primarily just going to focus on streamers for quarterbacks and tight ends right now. I don't think anything's changed over our months of offseason research to uh, debate these rankings too much other than the fringes. I'm sure we'll get more into these positions as the year goes on. We have some data to kind of look over here. But um, Ryan, what are your favorite streamers this week, whether it's they're actually on waivers or maybe just some questionable options that you think people should go ahead and play?
1: Yeah. So first I need to talk about Justin Fields. He's not technically a streamer. Uh, He's rostered in 63% of Yahoo leagues right now, but I am many spots above expert consensus on him this week. So I, I, and he's kind of a marginal option where people might be asking if they should play a streamer over him uh, in the matchup against the 49ers. So I, I think the answer to that is no. I think if you drafted Justin Fields as your only quarterback, you're trotting him out this week yes, the bears are implied the lowest number of points of any team, just 17. Yes. It is only a 41 point over under game, but I absolutely do not care. When you look at Justin Fields, the reason that you drafted him, the reason we liked him so much late in drafts 7.7 rushing attempts in his last six games last year, that was fourth behind only Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Jalen Hurts fields. If He is let loose as a rusher. He's going to score fantasy points like that. That's just the fact of it. It doesn't matter if his team only scores one touchdown all day. It'll probably be a rushing touchdown for him. The the bears have to lean on him. He's by far their best player. What else are they going to do? They're not going to run the ball down the Niners throats with David Montgomery when they're trailing by multiple scores that that's just not happening. Justin Fields is going to have to play hero ball. And I think his upside is really good. Uh, When you look at him in the range of outcomes tool, you can see that his floor is definitely scary. There is like some likelihood that he doesn't even reach like 15 points. Uh, But if you're looking for upside of above 20 points, then he suddenly looks a lot better than an option like Matt Stafford, or I haven't looked at this one, but I'm guessing someone like Aaron Rodgers, these safer guys that don't have that rushing upside and don't like just don't have it in their range of outcomes to completely take over a game. So Justin Fields is my QB 16 this week. Uh you are not streaming anybody over him. You are throwing him in there.
0: Yeah, I think there are going to be a lot of people. I mean I know I'm in some leagues where Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins are on waivers and they're going to be looking at them on waivers, thinking about replacing them for Justin Fields, but they're in the same tier. We we're not so good at predicting that we can separate QB 13 from QB 16 very well. So I think they all have a similar range of outcomes on an average and we're still chasing that upside for the season from fields. So I'm right. I'm right there with you. If this goes well for fields, it could be a huge year. Um, Let's roll them out there. If you you drafted him and he's your QB one, roll them out there week one. So I'm on board. Um, Who's your next, probably real QB streamer here if someone's really desperate.
1: Yeah. So the top streamer of the week uh, is Matt Ryan. He's 44% rostered on Yahoo right now. So technically qualifies as a streamer. I think a lot of people knew that he would be the streamer and he's just the guy that they drafted. I think that's why his roster percentage is so high. Uh, But the Colts roll into Houston this week. They have the fourth highest implied total on the slate. They're favored by eight, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, So obviously the concern with game scripts like this and streaming these types of QBs is that the Colts just get out to an early lead and establish the run for three and a half quarters. And Matt Ryan doesn't end up getting asked to do much. I think Davis Mills could keep this close. Um, I I think the betting markets are probably a little too low on what he did last year. And, and, Look, even if he doesn't, we've heard it come out of Frank Reich's mouth that the Colts don't plan to be as insanely run heavy this year. And I, I mean, in your first week with a new quarterback, some new weapons around him, we've got Alec Pierce that they just drafted. Paris Campbell is apparently healthy. Let, let's let hope it stays that way. I, they might just want to see what they have in their passing game this year. This, it might be kind of a dress rehearsal to see if they're going to be able to compete against some of these tougher teams this year. So, and, and with the Texans having the worst secondary in the league, according to PFF, there is upside here for Matt Ryan. Um, And like you would think of him maybe as a floor play, but I I think there is 20 plus point per game upside for this week. Like that, that's totally possible.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad thing with all the pressure we've seen Ryan under recently uh, for him to be in a play action shot based offense, maybe with a lead and just just dial up some big plays to Al Pierce or whoever. So, yeah, if if he throws three touchdowns, he's going to be a good streamer. That's the way I would look at Matt Ryan. So. All right. Here's a real fun one. Jared Goff. Are we really streaming Jared Goff now? I mean, most people aren't, but he is on the streaming radar week one.
1: Yeah. If you missed out on a Justin Fields or a Matt Ryan, and somehow you are in, if somehow you really need to pick up a guy off the waiver wire. I am going with Jared Goff. Um, he, So here's the thing on Goff. He tw- 22% rostered on Yahoo. He does need good weapons in the passing game and a good offensive line to be a good fantasy quarterback. We've seen it before in those years with him on the Rams and he, really has both of those ingredients now in Detroit. One of the better offensive lines in the league, DeAndre Swift, Amon Ross St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, even DJ Chark was an underrated addition in the offseason. He's going to be able to stretch the field for them uh, before Jamison Williams comes back. I like this lion's offense this year. Uh, it seems like the experts in Vegas like it too. They, the lions over has been getting steamed a ton in the last month. So I think it's totally possible that Detroit comes and gives Philadelphia a more competitive game than they might expect. And look, I, it's a 49 point over under game. I, I talked about already with Devonte Smith, how I think it could end up in, in a shootout, even if it doesn't, even if the lines are down three scores, we know that Dan Campbell is not against airing the ball out during garbage time and accumulating some stats. I think that that's another path for Jared Goff to do decent this week. And I just prefer him to guys that others might recommend streaming like Carson Wentz or Jameis Winston. I just don't know that either of those quarterbacks are going to get in the pass attempts that they need. Uh, Whether no, almost no matter how the game script goes in those games. I, I don't think either are as interesting shootout wise and I think both of those other coaches are more likely to just keep things close to the chest and run heavy. So I I'm taking Goff. He's my QB 18. That would be my bottom of the barrel streamer this week.
0: Okay. And any of the late round options that people might've drafted, um, Stafford cousins, Carr, those types, anyone like that, you're moving on from or streaming somebody over, you feeling good with that group?
1: No, you're pretty much playing that whole group over any of the streamers. Quarterback is kind of boring this week. Like all the elite options are favored in like pass-heavy game scripts, or if they're not favored, then it's like really high over unders, like with Cousins and Carr. So you're you're probably not that worried about any of those. If you drop drafted a top fifteen quarterback, you're playing him this week.
0: Yep. Okay, that could be options in DFS though. So maybe that's something to look at um, in a tournament. All right, let's get on to tight end here. Uh, I covered the tight end rankings, uh, kind of like Ryan's mention of Justin Fields. I will say uh, if Hunter Henry's out there in your league, I think he's about 65, 70% rostered. So he's out there in you know, 25, 30% of leagues. I, I actually have Hunter Henry as my 10th tight end this week. It's He's not someone I draft because he's just going to be tight end 10 through 15 every week. So there's just not much upside there. But um, he was a top five tight end and like, averaged up the target and, uh, red zone, you know, targets. So he does have some upside at some point. You're just looking for a touchdown here and Hunter Henry does provide that. So, uh, if you don't like your tight end and he's out there, I would make a move and and play him this week against the dolphins. It's not a matchup that scares me off, but he's a little high for the streamer section. So, uh, my number one streamer, and he's actually only 22% rostered, which is kind of wild to me is Gerald Everett for the chargers. I feel like we got a lot more into him last year uh, going to the Seahawks. And now we've all kind of been burned and we don't want anything to do with them. But I think Justin Herbert's better than Russell Wilson at this stage of their careers. So uh, the way I see it, the Chargers did not play him in the preseason, Gerald Everett, which is a good sign. He has Justin Herbert at quarterback, another good sign. And they plays the Raiders, who gave up the fifth most fantasy points to tight end last uh, year. And this, this matchup looks like a, a shootout. So I, I don't know what else we're looking for here with Gerald Everett or with a streaming tight end in general. He's my tight end 13. I've got him above some players like Albert O., David Njoku. Uh, Mike Kosicki, Irv Smith Jr., like there's a bunch of them. So I'm pretty happy to start Gerald Everett. I don't know what I'm missing here. I know we have not seen this role yet, but like when we're talking about tight end, the floor is just so low, like a touchdown, and we're probably happy. So um, do you, I am imagining you feel just as highly about Everett as I do, Ryan. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely do. And I, I mean, what uh, the bonus of Everett really is when you're streaming tight ends early in the season, the hope is that you land on a guy that makes it so you don't have to stream anymore. And I think it's totally possible that Everett is that guy. We usually see the at least a couple of undrafted tight ends break out into the top 12 every single year. Uh, it's usually guys on prolific offenses. So I yeah. think Everett fits the bill. Um, I'm even, I'm way more excited about him this year than I was last year. I, I don't think that that's even like hindsight being 2020. I know I touted him last year, but he, he is someone I was trying, actively trying not to leave any drafts without, unless I had Kyle Pitts. So yeah, absolutely stream Everett this week.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you look at the rankings or at least my rankings this week, as soon as you get to tight end nine, that's Dawson Knox, then Hunter Henry, Pat fryer Muth. Those are just touchdown options. And we're talking about, uh, you know. Mitch Trubisky for one of those tight ends. Like, if you're going to be hoping for a tight end, I will take Justin Herbert's tight end personally. So, next up on my streaming list, because of course he's on my streaming list, is Austin Hooper. He'll probably be on here all year. 43% rostered. I'm actually kind of shocked that he's rostered more than Gerald Everett, but that's another story. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's just an obvious streamer. Um, For as long as they slow play Traylon Burks here, like they're going to need Hooper. They'll probably even need him when Traylon Burks gets into the lineup, but We're just dealing with a pretty sorry receiving core here in Tennessee. Uh, They're going to be playing the Giants, so it's not like, you know, I I think they're going to be able to run the ball, move the ball, dictate things a little bit. So I just expect Hooper, worst case, he's going to give you four catches for 40 yards and hopefully you get a touchdown. I, I think we could probably copy and paste this for Hooper every week of the season, so I don't know if you have anything new to add on Hooper.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, our only hope is that Hooper goes over 50% rostered so that we're not so that we he doesn't qualify as a streamer anymore. Because yeah, he's going to be a fixture of this. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's much else to say. I the Giants were one of the most generous defenses against tight ends last year. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, so I guess the real question, Eric, is if somebody out there drafted a tight end kind of later, but not as late as someone like Everett or Hooper were going. Is there anybody that people might've drafted that you would recommend they drop for Everett or Hooper, or maybe that they find a roster spot and find a way to play Everett or Hooper over this week?
0: Uh, The drop question is a little tricky. I I would say I'm starting Gerald Everett over Albert O. Uh, like they both have role questions from what i can tell i mean we don't know if the broncos like albert O that much or not so i I don't know i just kind of like the the matchup better for everett so i'm playing everett over albert O and david and joku um the players that were drafted like mike gasecki and irv smith i'm sitting them for everyone i think i just mentioned i just don't trust them week one i hope irv smith proves me wrong but he can't stay on the field it's tough to say if I would drop all these players. Uh, Irv Smith, I just don't have on any rosters. So I, I probably wouldn't feel bad about that. Mike Kosicki, I would definitely drop at this point. Um, I would keep Albert O. Uh, in Joku, I might keep him one week just to see if his role really did change. But I, I think that's the range of player. Uh, I would feel fine dropping and grabbing Gerald Everett. I, I mean, honestly, like we're talking about Jacoby Brissett versus Justin Herbert here. So I would drop Njoku for Everett if it came down to it. But I think Albert O is probably the one on the list where I would play them over him, but I would still hold Albert O maybe and take a slightly suboptimal uh, score here in week one.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's the friction point. Al- Albert O also has that upside of Everett. Yeah. So you you don't want to be dropping him even if we have him ranked one spot lower. Um, so, I think that's about it for tight end. uh, all we have left is to talk about defense and eric, uh you provided some defense streamers for this week, so why don't you take us into your options?
0: Yeah, every year I do this at the start. it just makes me it's like what is everyone else missing here? I mean, streaming defense is it feels easy at times and it's it's crazy to see that. Uh, these three defenses are still under 50% rostered, and they're all top 10 defenses for me. And those are uh, Tennessee, home against the Giants, Philadelphia at Detroit, and the Bengals, home against the Steelers. Like it's 43%, 40%, and 38% rostered. They're out there in most leagues. I mean, Tennessee against the Giants, uh, 43.5 over under, uh, implied 19 points against them. It, it sucks that Tennessee lost Landry, a really explosive defensive lineman, but they still have a ton of pass rush, rushing talent. I think they can beat up Daniel Jones all game, get some turnovers, some sacks. So Tennessee's a no-brainer for me. Uh, Philadelphia at Detroit, like if they're going to get up big on Detroit, I'll take my chances with any defense against Jared Goff. But uh, Eagles, they do have some talent there. And then the Bengals, I think they're a really underrated unit. Uh, They carried this team through the playoffs. Uh, They added talent in their secondary. As long as Trey Hendrickson's healthy, he's rushing the passer and he's a force. So um, they're 44 and a half over under implied 19 points against against Mitch Trubisky at home. I, I think they're probably my favorite of the group. I, I would pick up the Bengals. First of all, I think they're going to beat up Trubisky here, get some turnovers and they're going to give you a lot of fantasy points. So again, all three of these are top 10 defenses for me. And there are even some others that were in the top 15 that I could have added onto this list.
1: Yeah. I agree that Cincinnati should be your first option there for streaming, um, which is, is funny to me that they're the lowest rostered on this list, because <laughs> every single league I'm in, somebody took them. Um, mm. I, I'm just in really sharp leagues, I guess. Yeah. The one that worries me is the Eagles. Um, I Yes, they're favored. So that's fine. I don't love playing defenses that are on the road in 49 point over under games. Like I, and again, this is kind of my thesis on this game for this week. I know a lot of other people think that Philly is a strong defense play. So maybe don't listen to me, but that, that's the one that gets me super nervous. Um, If I were to throw in another option, I don't know their roster percentage. I assume it's much lower than any of these is Carolina uh, Hmm. against the Browns. They're favored at home and it's Jacoby Brissett. There's not, I don't think there needs to be much more analysis on that.
0: Yep. They're my ninth ranked defense. So, I mean, even the Browns against the, the, <laughs> the Panthers, like I mentioned earlier, they're, they're 11 for me. There's, there's some good options here. So I don't know. We, we've got some good defenses going against tough offenses, like the bills and, uh, Tampa Bay, like it just kind of bumps some of them down, Dallas. So it, I would just, I would much rather take my chances with kind of random league average defense against Jacoby Brissett than I would good defense against Tom Brady because you just don't get many turnovers. So that's what I'm looking for. Your pushback against Philadelphia is valid. I do tend to just go for the picks and turnovers and sacks and everything. So I can live with some points scored if it means that Jared Goff's going to be bombing the ball out and maybe we can get a few, maybe we get a pick six or something. So that, that's usually my strategy on defenses.
1: Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, I, I worry about the sacks obviously because of how strong Detroit's line is. But yeah, yeah, if it if it is a garbage time game script, then you it could be pick six time, absolutely. If I'm pick if I'm picking a defense to get a pick six this week, it's it probably is Philadelphia.
0: <laughs> Love it. All right, well that wraps up our first week one sit start. Uh yeah, I mean if you need kicker advice just, you know, just pick the highest one on your waiver wire honestly and stick with them. I don't know. Pick someone in a dome. Uh, it's not it's not complicated when it comes to kickers. Winning teams in a dome that, that's you can't go wrong there. So, um, Ryan, I don't know. I, I we did a good job. We kept this short. Uh any thoughts just as we lead into this season? Uh players that are going to burn you real bad, uh, players that are going to win you championships. What are you thinking at this stage of the season?
1: I'm just So now that we're done this podcast, the only thing I'm going to think about until kickoff uh, of Bill's Rams is how obnoxious Twitter.com is going to be, (laughs) no matter what Gabe Davis does. It, It doesn't matter if he gets 10 targets and three touchdowns, or if he runs three routes, I am going to absolutely hate being on that website, but I will still do it and spend my entire night on it. So it, it should be a lot of fun. I can't wait to get into this NFL season. I've, it's been a long time coming. It feels like.
0: Yeah. It's a great time of the year. I, 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 I think I've got through the toughest part for me after that, like Sony Michelle release. Every time I saw a notification, I was like, oh, is this going to be like Daryl Henderson getting released? Or You know what I mean? It's just like some of these uh, late round guys we tout. I was always like, what's this notification going to be? Who else got cut? So I think I've 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 passed the tough part for me. It's all downhill from here. So uh, remind me of that when it's week 14 and we're just, you know, ready for the season to end. But uh, no, the NFL great. So we're going to enjoy this. So thanks for listening, everyone. Um, again, check out the website for our sit-start coverage we've got every single fantasy relevant player covered. So anyone that you did not hear about today, please go to the website, but um, yeah, we'll talk to you um, on Sunday night, Monday morning for what we saw podcast and uh, just keep checking out the site, what we saw coverage, lots of great stuff. Uh, Obviously the range of outcomes tool. So until then, uh, good luck in week one.